0: Hey, hey guys, it's Tim Gillette with Tim Gillette Show here with another broadcast for you with another great guest. So today's guest, Ridgely is his name. And I'll tell you, I met this guy through through David Fagan and we were actually in a breakout room together and I was excited to hear some of his story. But I know I'm gonna get more details today because let's let's face it, you know I'm bringing in cool people, right? This guy is the ultimate and cool and uh, got a great story, uh, great history. All right. And a great mission. And I I can't wait to bring him on here. So I'm just going to do it. And we're going to get to know him. Hey, Ridgely, how you doing, man?
1: Tim, so great to be here with you, brother. It's a fine, fine day. And I'm looking forward to this.
0: Yeah, yeah, I've been, too. You know what I mean? Since, uh, you know what I mean? Like when you signed up originally, I'm like, yeah, okay. Uh, But then when I got to meet you in the when we were in the private room, I'm like, oh, now I'm really looking forward to interviewing you. Yeah, man, for sure. Yeah. So, man, I mean, you know, first of all, what are you doing in this mess?
1: You know, as a psychologically unemployable serial entrepreneur, I started my 44th company last week. So while, while people are out there figuring out what can you do with this, what can you do with that, I figured out how I can help accountants. And so we're rolling out a brand new company. Uh, as we speak, as a matter of fact, I'll be going right back to work after this. And also putting out a Facebook message every morning of hope. This morning it was about smiles and the power of smiles, and how a smile is such an easy way to improve your look. And oh, by the way, it's right below your nose. So there you go.
0: And first of all, I mean, you know, I, I thought, I mean, first you were one of the most positive people on, you know, that I got to meet on David's thing the other the other week. And you know what I mean? It's just like most people are like. Oh my god i've got i've got how many companies and i've got to pay how many employees like you're like i'm just gonna go start another one okay
1: <laughs> but you know what's funny man is i when 9-11 happened with terrorists back in new york mm-hmm. i lost a company because of that i had an events company we had five teams a weekend flying out and on 9-11 i had five teams ready to go and on 9-12 there were no events at all so i lost the company once when this happened with the pandemic and as a professional speaker and being out on the circuit all the time, sudden, all, suddenly I went from booked all over the place to zero again. And I thought to myself, okay, is this some kind of a strange karmic thing that I have going on with the universe at this moment? And then I got this vision of Tom Hanks, right, in Forrest Gump, and he starts running, and he just keeps running, and he's running, and then one day he stops, and that's it. And I thought, hmm, is this my Forrest Gump moment that says I've been traveling for 50 some years and maybe it's time to pause? And I'm not sure, brother. I'm not. I'm just contemplating the possibilities.
0: Well, you know, I'm glad you mentioned him in Forrest Gump because everybody else refers to Tom Hanks as like, I don't want to get stranded with him on an island. Um, I don't want to get stuck (laughs) with him in an airport. Um, Anyway. Yeah, exactly. Right. (laughs) The Tom Hanks references. And wait a minute. I have one down here. Hold on. Wilson's been in my office for years. There you go. (laughs) Perfect. Um, Anyway. So, I mean, you know, what are all the companies that you've done over the years? I mean, 44 of them. Let's talk about like the history of these companies and, you know, some of them still going. What's going on?
1: Yes. So two or three of them were quite successful, four or five moderately successful. The remainder were highly educational, and I could assure you none of those are around anymore, but I do still have a couple, uh, and mostly in the sphere of communication. My thing, Tim, has always been, what's next? What's what's the next thing that's coming that, that we can get into before it gets hot? Because my belief is that it's a lot easier to be first than smart. If you can get into the marketplace first, then somebody else comes behind you that's smart and does it better. But I'd rather be first because I'm not so sure that I'm that smart.
0: I like that analogy. <laughs> <laughs> you know, because oh, I, you know, I mean, I think of like the, the 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 social media space. All right, and like I think Friendster was first, right? I don't remember who was first anyway. But like, let's face it, Facebook does it right. Mm-hmm. You know, um, yeah. But like. And most of us don't remember Friendster, but like at the time, I'll bet they did very well.
1: And MySpace was huge for a while. You never hear about those guys anymore. So I think that happens a lot, man. You know, if you think about, so I came from the Coca-Cola family, Mm, which was a crazy story in and of itself growing up in stupid wealth. Um, But what most people don't understand is that Coca-Cola itself wasn't worth a thing. The money was made in distribution. Mm. So the families like mine that made any money in Coca-Cola was because they had the distribution for a territory. They were the bottling operations. So at one point, finally, the CEO of Coca-Cola got really, really smart and basically went across the country on a mission and said, hey, Ridgely family, either you sell us your distribution for shares in the parent company, or we're gonna set up our own distribution right next to yours. And almost everybody did that. All of us that did, obviously, it ended up working out well for those families. But the money was not made by Coca-Cola. It was made by the distribution of Coca-Cola. That's how the whole thing happened. And I think it's a lot like that, man. People come in that are really, really smart. But if you can be first, you can do just good enough to make a nice living.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, and, and wasn't like, you know I mean? I think I've heard this story. Wasn't like, you know, the Coca-Cola thing they talk about, like, if if you're worried about being successful, Coca-Cola sold how many bottles the first year it was made?
1: Oh, I don't know. It's crazy, man. But the name, they did a valuation on the name, just the name Coca-Cola is worth $44 billion. Just the name? The name. Yeah. That's insane. That's crazy.
0: You know, and I once heard a network marketer explain Coca-Cola as like, these are the champion people of distribution. You can go from a mountaintop in the Himalayas to a corner in the drugstore and you can get a bottle of Coke.
1: That's exactly right, which is a little nuts, man. But it happened because they got a lot of really smart people that went out and bought up territories. And then they were a bunch of entrepreneurs doing the entrepreneurial thing. And then the whole thing got consolidated and rolled up. Wow! So it, it came from the ground up with many, many really smart people, and fortunately, the smarter ones also were smart enough to sell out to realize if I don't, I'm done.
0: Yeah,
1: yeah. So, well,
0: I mean, so you, you came from that that uh, family, uh, but then you've gone on to gone on to create other businesses yourself. Um, well, what are by the way, businesses?
1: The, let me tell you the story. So the All reason right. my name came about. Mm -hmm. Is because after my parents had named me Nicholas Goldsboro, I was first introduced to my grandfather, Doc Ridgely, who was at that point the patriarch of the Coca-Cola fortune. And he held me in the palm of his hand when I was three weeks old and announced to the rest of the family there present, he will be called Ridgely. Mm -hmm. And that was that because nobody argued with Doc. And that was it. So I got my name from him, and the dude died three months later. My grandmother inherited uh, the fortune by definition and became a control freak, and she locked it up, and it's still locked up today.
0: Wow. Wow.
1: 36 years after she died, still locked up.
0: Wow. Um... (laughs) By,
1: By the way, my mom was supposed to inherit it. She disinherited my mom. When my mom dies, my brothers and sister and I will inherit the fortune. Can you imagine how the calls go with my
0: mom, Tim? Hey mom, how you doing? Good? Bummer. I mean, excellent. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, my name last name's Gillette and I still don't have that fortunate in anything. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Uh, but well, I mean, 44 companies, all right? So you I'm going to say you've had some failures too.
1: Mostly. Okay. Mostly. You want to talk about, you know, talk about? Yeah, man, you know what? I'm a big believer in fail as fast as you can. It's funny. I came out So I was about to start another company three weeks ago uh, because I was talking to a CEO who said, you know, Ridgely, what we really need is something for guys like me to help their team members work in a remote environment when they don't know how to do that. So over the course of a weekend, I got together with one of my partners. We put together a quick course on remote working, what you should do, da-da-da-da-da. Sunday night, I sent it out to 20 CEOs. I didn't like the response I got, so I killed it on Monday. And I really believe that creating MVPs, minimally viable products, not most valuable player, minimally viable products, putting them out into the marketplace as fast as you can, and then judging the response that you get is one of the hallmarks of success in the digital age. When you can move at warp speed and come up with something, put it out there, get a response, gauge the response, scale it if it works, kill it if it doesn't as fast as you can, then you have the formula for doing some really cool stuff, and so I'm a big believer in it's okay to fail. It's okay to fail, but if you can, do it fast, do it hard, and move on to the next thing as quick as you possibly can.
0: Uh, yeah, because because you know some people don't want to come on to a show like this and talk about their failures. All right, and I'm glad you shared with that. Like, okay, mm-hmm. we did that. We tried this. Okay, you know what I mean. Didn't like the results. Bam, out, gone, move on. Yeah, there's a lot of people who are listening and they're holding on to their failures right now.
1: Well, you know, I, I just think that it's a question of failure way to success. Right? Right. And my, I, I did a lot of work with Jim Rohn in my youth. I was Jim's kind of right arm in the Spanish world. Like I grew up in Spain, I speak Spanish like I'm talking to you right now. Mm-hmm. And um, Jim had a saying that I loved. He said, How long should you try? And the answer was, Until. Okay. until. That's it, until you figure it out until you get it right. Fail your way forward, fail your way forward, do it again, get up, try again, do something else. And I don't think it's for everybody, man. Entrepreneurship is weird. I believe that entrepreneurs have a bad memory and an underdeveloped sense of fear. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. otherwise they can't keep doing things that are ridiculously hard. Like I've written 17 books and every time I write another book, I said, you know what, that is just so much work. And then somehow in between the last book and the next book, I forget how much work it was. And then I do another one. And then I do another one and whatever, just like that continuous thirst or yearning to put stuff out there, to create things, to make them real, to manifest them in the world and see what happens. And if you fail, so what? Mm -hmm. And I bought, to give you an idea, my partner and I bought 5,000 domains that ended in .LA, so .LA. So we had movies.LA, stars.LA, restaurants.LA, hotels.LA, cars.LA, sausage.LA for Louisiana, gumbo.LA, we had them all, we had 5,000 of them. And then the government of Laos, which is .LA, mm -hmm. changed. And after I'd spent, my partner and I spent $450,000, the government changed and they said, I'm sorry, we're taking our names back. And there was nothing we could do because the United States government is not gonna get into a fight with the government of Laos and Cambodia over the fact that we lost some domain names. So you know what? That was a brilliant idea, man. If we'd have been able to hold on to all those .LAs, what do you think movies.LA was worth? Mm -hmm. Oh, well, yeah, it was not Uh, a good day.
0: You know, (laughs) yeah. Uh, it's funny how how some people won't try that or they'll sit and, and and focus on that loss and how big that loss was, especially now, because a lot of people right now, I mean, even the stock market, if I told you how far I was down on my stocks, I mean, most of you guys would cry. I mean, it's, but I'm, I'm watching it bounce back faster than I've ever seen anything bounce back, but I still tried. You know what I mean? And sure. most people won't try in a business or try in a venture of any sorts because they failed in the littlest bit, and they won't keep moving forward. But you now, know. I
1: will tell you something. I was contemplating in the uh, early part of the whole COVID thing. Okay, should I sell cruise lines short? And then after selling the cruise line short, should I buy uh, drugs on the uptick when they hear about there's a maybe a vaccine or something like that? And then I reminded myself of Warren Buffett's two rules about investing rule number one never lose money rule number two when in doubt see rule number one i'm like okay so i am not a trader i am not a stock guy i have a person that helps me with those things so what you're going to do is shut up and keep your money and not be a doofus Mm -hmm. and that's what i did and you know what it's 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 as crazy as it may sound in a time like this, there is an element to having a bit of cash around that makes you feel a little bit more comfortable. I have extraordinary empathy for the people who don't, who live paycheck to paycheck, who didn't have that ability. Because now I have the the space to sit back and say, what else could we do to serve the world with something unique, new and different like we're just creating and see if it works? And if it doesn't, that's OK. There'll be another opportunity later.
0: Yeah, yeah wow uh what, what what an outlook on that uh and because literally there's days that i want to go oh crap but i know okay how else can we serve yeah you know, uh, uh you, you know one of the things that you know what i mean you you mentioned when we were on the on our call with you know what i mean in the chat room with david's group um you know what i mean you talked about a lot of things that you do to help keep you help keep you at peace in this world mm-hmm. you mind sharing you know what i mean what you do to keep at peace amidst the ups and downs in our world right now
1: Well, so I think there's three main things. Uh, One of them is maintaining a spiritual practice. And I am not advocating for any particular practice at this moment. I personally am a Buddhist. I've been chanting for a very long time. And I am a believer in the power of prayer. Mm -hmm. To me, prayer is nothing but focused thought. That's all it is. You're focusing your thought on something. And if you focus your thought on having cancer, you're more likely to get it than if you don't. If you focus your thought on serving the world, you're more likely to serve the world than if you don't. So number one is a spiritual practice. I, for example, uh, have a spiritual practice that is strong enough that I dedicate about an hour a day, every day. Between morning and evening, as a matter of fact, I was upstairs chanting in preparation for our show because I wanted to be at my best for you, Tim, and with you to be us together, so I was up chanting. Number two is exercise. I really believe that if you maintain a healthy body, when you get struck with obstacles or difficulties, when winter sets in, and winter can set in in all kinds of ways. It can be the winter of illness, the winter of heartbreak, the winter of financial difficulty, the winter of loss, of whatever. Winter can come anytime. Here's what we know. If you're in shape and you can make it through the winter, you're going to get to spring. Winter is always followed by spring. There's no winter that turns into autumn. So eventually spring is going to be there. So maintaining your physical health is super key. And number three is maintaining your mental health. How do I wash my brain? In addition, okay, you wash, you take a shower every day, but are you washing your brain? What are you reading? What are you looking at? Well, who are you listening to? What are you putting in there to make sure that the output is positive and good as opposed to if junk goes in, you can be guaranteed of what's going to come out. So I think those three things, a spiritual practice, a physical practice, and a mental practice are key uh, to maintaining a, a healthy, no matter what stuff is going to come up. But when stuff comes up, you know, you have to be ready.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I can't agree more. And I, I love it that you shared that with, because that, that inspired me when you shared that in the group. So, I mean, it was it's glad you did. Yeah. Um, So all these companies that you've created right now, you're working on a new one. You said that you just created. You want to explain to the audience what the new one is? You decided, hey, I'm going to do this right now.
1: Yeah. So that's not even my core company that I've been working on for a long time. The new one is we realized that accountants across America do not have the capacity to deal with all of the different relief programs being offered to small businesses. Mm -hmm. In other words, they don't know how. So we built an entire calculator machine to help the average accountant serve their clients and we're rolling it out across the country for free giving it to people in the pandemic you want to really help people out and then once that and once they're in our system we then say hey can we help you with this can we help you with that we well, built basically a digital agency but that came a hundred percent in response to this pandemic a hundred percent in hey, there's a need out there, somebody's gonna meet the need, why not us? And the numbers are staggering. And this is where people get a little bit, um, like it's, it's hard to understand what scale can do. There are hundreds of thousands of accountants. So let's just say there's 300,000. And what if you could pick up a 1% market penetration with a free tool? That's 3,000 accountants. And then you offer them a couple of other services, Let's say they spend 300 bucks a month, and now that's a million-dollar-a-month company.
0: Mm-hmm. And that
1: doesn't, that's not something that is far in the distance. That's a few weeks away from concept to execution. So that's possible in this world when you can come up with something that can serve people that is in immediate demand and needed right now.
0: Cool, cool. I love it. The you use the word, how, how can we help people? All right. Immediately that's I think that's the biggest thing that most people who aren't entrepreneurs don't understand about entrepreneurs is that's their immediate thought. What can I do to help?
1: (laughs) Yeah, you know, it's crazy. The more people use the the people that make the most money in this world are the people who impact the most people. Mm -hmm. And that applies whether it's the best athletes, the best actors, the best singers the best CEOs, it's the ones who touch the most people Mm -hmm. that impact the most people that end up being the most popular and being rewarded accordingly. What we always seem to forget about is, you know, you, you pick any actor, any singer, any whatever. And if you dig into their background, nine times out of 10, it was a decade and a half of struggle and strife and effort and thing and failing and whatever. And then overnight they became a success after 15 years of effort. And I, my belief is success is what happens when preparation meets opportunity. So when you're prepared and you work hard and an opportunity comes along, then you have success. How long does that take? A long time, however it takes to sharpen your sword, to get ready to prepare your mind, your brain, your spirit, etc. cetera. Fail a few times. It's okay. You can get up again. We live in America.
0: Really? Yeah. And and to the average person who is actually listening now and thinking about that entrepreneurial venture uh, after four failed entrepreneurial ventures, what is your advice to them? Because based on what you just said, sounds to me like you're like, hey, you're not that far. Keep going.
1: Yeah. My advice is are you able to get out of bed, go back down to your computer, turn it on, and start learning? Because if you are, there's something out there that you could do right now to propel yourself to the next level, to the next level, to the next level. I was talking to a gentleman that I met. We were in an online marketing contest, and he took first place, and I took second. So I called him to to congratulate him. I was like, dude, you beat me. That was awesome. That was fun competing with you. And I heard his story, and his story was one of failure after failure after failure led to a drug overdose, put him in the hospital, and he woke up and said, what the heck am I doing? Locked himself in his apartment, did not come out other than to eat and buy stuff, whatever. Took him seven months to make his first sale online. And that was a number of years ago and he has never ever looked back. Now, if somebody can come out of that level of horror and then put in that level of dedication, Whoever it is that's watching or listening to this right now, you're next. You can do it, too. It's available to you. Is it easy? No. Is it going to be given to you? No. Are there magic bullets and pills that you can take? And de- No. What there is is a combination of hard work and dedication, staying open to the possibilities, and washing your mind, body, and spirit on an ongoing basis so that you can keep up the fight.
0: Cool. <coughs> Excuse me. So one of the things you mentioned in there is earlier you said, you know, I mean, this, this new business wasn't your core business. What is your core business that you guys, you guys are focusing on right now or that you built you right now?
1: <laughs> so I have a product called Mind Types. It's all about figuring out your mind type. I looked out at the typing products that are out there, and there's a lot of great ones, the Enneagram, Predictive Index, Myers-Briggs, DISC. There's a bunch of them, Strength Finders. The challenge with them, Tim, is that they require an interpreter you get this report and it's 27 pages long, and it has all this data and graphs and things and stuff, and nobody understands what the heck they're talking about. So I set myself a challenge. I said, look, Ridgely, if you're gonna create a product to help people understand themselves, who they are, what they believe, you need to make it so simple that people get it. And if they don't get it, then it's not good enough. Reminds me of the author writing a long letter to a friend saying, I'm sorry this letter is so long, I didn't have time to make it short. It's a lot harder to make something simple, clean and easy and understandable than it is to go on and on and on and put up these massive outputs that make you seem like you're really smart. So my thing with mind types was, there are seven mind types, everybody has a primary and a secondary mind type. If you know those things, you understand yourself better, you can play to your strength, and you can express that so you attract great clients to yourself and reject the ones who don't believe what you believe. Because not all clients are, clients are created equal, just like not all guests on your show are created equal, right? Some of them are the kind of people you are like, I don't want to deal with that person ever again in my life. And clients oh, are like my that. Yeah, never, right? Never happened to you. <laughs> uh. sure. So for we, me, it's that, man. It's about helping people understand themselves, being able to express themselves to the world so that they attract the right kind of people, play to their strengths, and enjoy life. Cool.
0: You know, you said something there. I mean, again, my, my, my brand is simple, easy marketing, right? And, and like you, it's a lot harder to make it simple. When you said that, I'm like, you know, that's going to help my business. I'm going to write her down quote from Wrigley. Originally. For
1: sure, man. Yes. <laughs> it's the truth. It really is. You know, I the mind types, that I've got them all here. Right there. I, I've gotten so far and people say, you took it almost too far. I went so far as to make them into cartoon characters uh-huh. so that people can play with the concept of who am I and enjoy that concept. And then when they figure out that, Oh, my primary mind type is this person. My secondary mind type is this person and now they understand themselves that much better and I've given them a gift, then I think that's a thing of beauty. And I, we set up a quiz that's free to, make, to give this to the world because it makes understanding yourself a lot easier, better, and cleaner.
0: And, and you also said in there too, all right, most of the people doing the, the you know what I mean, these, these ideas out there, I mean, it takes an interpreter to get through <laughs> All right, the, the analysis from it, all right? Yeah,
1: that's exactly right. It's no. unfortunate, but it's true. And i I don't. I sincerely believe that everyone that puts out one of those sophisticated uh, typing products believes in what they do and want to serve the world. And they believe that in so in doing that with a coach or an interpreter is the best way to present their product to the world and for the world to use their product. Total respect for that. Mm-hmm. That's just not where I was coming from. I wanted to come from. Let's dumb it down and make it so that. I can walk into a company, sit down with a CEO and their top 12 people and in one day have their culture changed because now everybody understands what each other stand for and believe, not do they have a dog, are they married, and do they live with a white picket fence or in an apartment, Mm -hmm. which is what most people know about their coworkers.
0: Yeah, Uh, but but it's almost interesting that that model that is out there... um, where basically the person gives the test, all right, they've got the interpreters. The interpreters or coaches are the distribution. That's true. That's true. And that makes, wait a minute, and that makes the company, (laughs) and I'm like, I'm looking at your business model going, oh my God, he's learned from the past.
1: (laughs) You know, I, I am a firm believer that we really can look to the past and take extrapolate many, many lessons, Mm -hmm. right? So think of past, present, future. The past is memory. The present is dialogue in the moment. The future is hope. So when you're looking into the future, find some hope, tap into your memory, and then start talking about what you might do. And somewhere in there is a brilliant idea that, that then spans the entire scope of past, present, and future in one moment.
0: Mm-hmm. Brilliant. Brilliant. Uh, you know, uh, it's like I've gone through every question I had for you. and <laughs> <laughs> I, I like how I can ask the simple question, Rick, uh, really, and you just, like, explain the answer. And I'm like, okay, so I don't have to go through that. I can cross that <laughs> up. <laughs> It's almost like you make everything simple.
1: Well, you know, so my mind type, which is kind of kooky, but my mind type is the problem solver. And so the problem solver, this guy, is the guy that makes sense out of things, that clarifies things and simplifies things. That's what I do. I can't help myself. I look at things and it goes in the ticker and goes tick, 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 tick. Hmm. Let's make sense out of this. Okay. beep, 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 beep. If this and this and this then this and this and this, then this should be to this. Perfect. And that's my gift to the world. So that's why I write a lot of books and end up giving a lot of speeches. But other people have other gifts. Whatever your gift is, is unique to you, is just as valuable, just as special. I celebrate it and hope that everybody can play to their strengths. Because when you play to your strength, it's fun. Work becomes play. Everything becomes one big, giant game that you can be a part of and enjoy and still create a lot of value for the world.
0: Cool, cool. Um, so, uh, uh, h- how much of the, how much more creation are you doing uh, during this period of time? I know you've gone through your processes. Uh, you've gone through the idea that you created a, another, you know, company. But in this downtime for the rest of us, we're kind of stuck inside our house and figure stuff. How much are you like creating content, creating book ideas, creating new products, services?
1: So, last. I started a week ago, Saturday, Mm -hmm. and since then I've written 42 pages of copy, new brand new copy uh, that make up funnels to help promote the new things that we're working on. Shot nine videos so far, Iterated a whole series of nomenclature to make sure that we've got everything dialed in, in terms of what we're offering out there to the world. And that's on one product. Mm. So for me now, in fairness, I do believe that the question is a little bit unfair because I was already working in this office right here that I'm sitting in. Anyway, I was on the road a lot. And that changed completely. So now that just gives me even more time than I'm used to having to sit in this office and create. I have, right over there, I have a whiteboard wall. So the entire wall is a whiteboard. And I grab my marker pens from over here and I just start marking up the wall and doing all kinds of crazy stuff. And then I have this desk that enables me to stay creative. So if I need to stand up, I just start raising the desk like this and it just starts creeping up with me. And then I'll start to stand up with you. There you go so now I'm standing up
0: what 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 I'm curious what desk do you have
1: this thing is called the geek desk
0: okay I've got the autonomous version of that myself so uh, and like when I do like I'm sitting down in a chair but like when I do speeches on all these conferences I'm doing I mine's up and I have like a stool I can lean on and right. so
1: I don't even have a chair in here I have a desk and a ball. So that way I'm doing core work when I'm sitting to make sure I'm maintaining that and otherwise just standing straight up and (laughs) doing some work with my brother too. Uh, and,
0: And it's funny, you know, how some people, they get creative with different things. Did you learn that this is your creative mode throughout the years?
1: So where I do most
0: of my thinking actually
1: is Walking. And what I did learn, so I started studying philosophy and I started studying the greats like Nietzsche and those kind of people, right? Pestalozzi, all the great educators, John Dewey. And I came to learn that many of the really well-known philosophers were walkers. And so I I said, wait a second, what's up with that? Because that's always been my thing. When I'm writing my books, I usually walk. I walk and walk and walk and walk. And I'll do the same exact route. So there's no creativity in this walk. It's start walking, go down this way, then come around this way, then do this. Same route all the time. Well, I found out that there's a a processing in the brain that with methodical walking, it enables a certain type of focus and concentrated thought. And obviously I didn't figure this out. I just happened to read Walking with Nietzsche, which is one of the books written by an American modern uh, philosopher who explained this whole thing i thought wow so there was some actual real science <laughs> behind walking and thinking so that's my that's my sweet spot i walk and think and then i come back to this office and report
0: oh okay okay you're not one of those ones that carry the device and talk into it like while you're talking walking
1: no i don't actually and i and I, what i found and i'm not suggesting that this should be the same for anybody else for me the reason i don't do that is i don't want a concept locked down until I've had a chance to mull it over and noodle on it and play with it. And the moment I start writing, that means I'm sufficiently confident in that concept that it can get locked down because otherwise it's going to get locked down anyway. And and then I don't have the spe- the freedom to expand that thought, to push it out. It's much more difficult for me. I'm kind of a linear dude.
0: Okay, okay. Yeah. Cause I, I write it down and then I change it six times before I publish it. Yeah.
1: Well, I will tell you the easiest way to write a book. Mm-hmm. easiest way to write a book you need one of these post-it notes
0: mm-hmm.
1: and we'll just pretend that this is a whiteboard okay yeah. so every time you have a good thought you write it on a post-it note and you stick it on your whiteboard and then you have another good thought and you write it on your book and you stick it on your whiteboard and then you have another good thought and you write it on a note and you stick it on your whiteboard and all of a sudden it's full of really good thoughts. And then you say, well, you know what? This is not the right order. Let's put this guy over here. We'll put this guy over there. And you start moving the white, the, the sticky notes around, and you can literally organize a book in this fashion. In my opinion, that is the easiest way to write a book.
0: Uh, my whiteboard, which I just took down from here,
1: and it's uh-huh.
0: here, and exactly my book, Simple Easy Marketing, is, is outlined that way. And I literally have still changing on it, so... Well,
1: highly recommend it. The, the, I've done, of the 17 books that I've written, uh, five of them were in collaboration with others, and most of the time, that's the method that we use. Put a lot of sticky board, uh, sticky paper all over the wall, look at it, and then you can set up a Zoom call uh, or a, a, a video conference call. I literally take this computer, turn it toward the wall, start looking, start moving around. We can write virtual books all day long, brother.
0: Mm-hmm. Cool, cool. Cool. <laughs> Great with you on that one, too. I'll tell you. So anyway, well, you know, this has been one of the most interesting ideas of you sharing your story, your thoughts, your <laughs> business history, your family history. Um, but there's people who are going to want to find out about this stuff you do and connect with you. And, and what is the best way they can reach out and connect with you?
1: For sure is to go to MindTypes.com. So MindTypes.com. You can find out about the mind types. There's a quiz there that is free that will enable you to figure out your mind type. Highly recommend that for if you have team members, colleagues to do that. Also highly recommend it for your family. In my companies, it's really cool because we know the mind type of each person. So when someone says something, I would respond, well, of course you would say that, Tim, because you're a blank. And someone would say, well, originally you would do that because you're a problem solver. So that, and we understand where we're coming from. So, even if you have a unique mind type, let's suppose that you're a rebel, right? Rebels challenge everybody. So, in the absence of understanding, people do this. I just don't get that person. And what that means is I don't get them, which means I don't like them, which means if they stay on their side of the building, I stay on mine. Near the twain shall meet, all is good. And it causes isolation and silos, which benefit nobody. If I understand that the person is a rebel, then I know ahead of time they're gonna challenge things. I don't take it personally. I feel better about the relationship, and I actually think that maybe they're really cool. Mm -hmm. And then my perception morphs from being, ugh, that guy bugs me, or that gal bugs me, to wow, how unique we all are, how different we are, how wonderful a world it is that we have these people that are incredible, um, that make things happen, that disrupt things. I mean, can you imagine the day that, Steve Jobs walked into his team of engineers with one of these and said, hey, make me one of these, no buttons, phone, no buttons. Because if you remember, Tim, we are old enough to recall that they did used to have buttons. And now none of them have buttons or almost none of them, only the old relics that
0: are left. I have an old thing, but I can't find it here. But anyway.
1: So you know what I'm saying? is, like it changed the world by being a disruptor, by being who he really is. And I think that, you know, at MindTabs.com, people can figure out their own mindset. Who are you? What do you stand for? What do you believe? How do you express that? And really make an impact with you for the world. And I would say, that you, uh, whoever you are, you are really important, especially to you. Yeah. And what I mean by that is, I know this is going to sound a little bit esoteric, but without you, there is no universe
0: mm. for you. Yeah. Groundbreaking there. So Right?
1: <laughs> Thought-provoking, but it's one of those things you got to pay attention. You are really important. There is no one but you that is you. No one. It's like Dr. Sue saying, you are you than you. That's right. You are.
0: Cool. Well, I mean, your your website, mindtypes.com, where they can go get that free quiz. And I'm going to go take the free quiz myself just because uh, I want to go find out now what it is you do and, and more in depth. So um, thanks. I mean, originally, thanks for coming on the show today. It's been great having you as a guest uh, and sharing all this information with us.
1: Oh, well, my pleasure, brother. And I'm happy to talk about your mind type anytime you want.
0: Yeah. <laughs> but before we go, I have this like, you know, little game I like to play with all my guests. Have you heard about my game?
1: No. <laughs> Let's do it. I'm a gamer, though. I'm ready. Let's go. So, right. ben, I got
0: nine questions here that I asked. They're this or that questions. I learned it from Sammy Hagar. I mean, I thought he was cool. I figured I was cooler. Um, okay. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yeah it's nine questions you pick whichever one matters to you maybe we'll explain them i don't know let's see okay let's go so number one i like to see who my science fiction people are and that is star wars or star trek
1: i'm a star trek
0: okay are you the new like or the old so like uh, kirk or picard kirk oh uh, yeah you're, you're you're my age i can tell <laughs> speaking of sci-fi All right. The Matrix. Blue pill or red pill?
1: Oh, man, I got to go with the truth all the way. I want to see what's going on. I'll take whatever they got to throw at me. I'm not scared. And let's roll.
0: Yep. I like it. So how about the beach or mountains for a trip away?
1: See, now that's a difficult one. Okay. So my wife loves the beach, hates cold, doesn't like heights but I love the snow and the mountains. I am a ski instructor or was. All my brothers are skiers, big skiers. So if it's up to me by myself, I'm going to the mountains. If it's with my wife, I'm going to the beach.
0: okay. Well, you gotta tune into the wife every now and then, you know? It's important. Yeah. So my next one goes into food products. All right. Taco or hamburger?
1: Oh man, now that's tough, dude. You're asking some really hard questions.
0: I I mean I'd have
1: to say I'm going with taco because I being the Hispanic guy, I love all the hot stuff. I love jalapenos. I have jalapeno gardens out there where we just get our own jalapenos off our own bush. So I'm going with taco. So we
0: because we live in a condo, so we can't like we don't have a garden, but we used to grow like in our potted plants, and we used to have our condo used to be second floor, and we bought this one. And we had one, our first pepper of the year came out as we were coming over. I was meeting one of the contractors over here and I'm like, I'm going to get one of my first peppers. I grab it and eat it and walk in. And I'm. Like, <sighs>
1: <laughs> That's the problem with jalapenos, man. I have four, four or five bushes out there and yeah. you can never tell from one pepper to another. Yeah. Which one is the super hot one.
0: Yep. You can't. So, um, so next one I have is we're going to go to uh, wine or beer.
1: Wine 100%. I'm a wine guy, had a wine company for 13 years, and I'm gluten free, so I don't touch beer at all.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, you, go to, you guys go, you and your wife go to a lot of wineries and stuff? Used to, whenever
1: we, we traveled, not yeah. anymore. Yeah. Now, the good news is there's this thing called shipping. It's awesome. So, right, right around like 5, 5 6 o'clock, I'm walking outside to the pool and I'm looking to myself Pinot Grigio, Sauvignon Blanc, or Chardonnay? Hmm. Maybe a little bubbly. Who knows? Yeah,
0: yeah. we we love going to wineries, but like I think that's the thing we're itching for right now. We have a winery in Napa, and we're like, we want to just get on a plane and go there.
1: Oh, man, I got to introduce you to Doug Sandler. He's another big podcaster. Doug and you and I would have a good old time in wineries. I
0: bet we would. So, yeah, into that. So, my next one is along the lines of what we're doing right now. If you're in the car, would you rather listen to a podcast or music? A podcast all day long. Yeah. I just started listening to podcasts when I go to get my coffee every day and I get hooked on them. I'm listening to Mike Rose podcast right now. And I'm like, I get hooked on it. I don't want to get out of the car. Yeah. In the
1: evenings, I'll turn to music, mm-hmm. but when it's during the daytime all day long, I'd rather be learning.
0: Ah, Cool. Cool. My next one, another food product, but it can be a war. Sometimes does pineapple belong on pizza? Yes or no.
1: So here's, what's funny. I'm going to say Yes even though it's not a choice that I gravitate towards. I think it's okay to do the sweet and sour. I think there's some sweet and sour combinations that work. I'm not a pineapple on pizza guy personally, but I like the concept and the sweet and sour approach.
0: Yeah, It's, it's, it's funny that, that 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 question has got some people who are just like adamant, like, you know what I mean? Yes or no. Like, and it's, <laughs> it's dude. It's, you, you don't have to eat it if you don't like it, you know? Like, exactly. My grandkids love it. Uh, So my next one is another war question, and I have seen many a spouse's fight over this one. Mm -hmm. That is the toilet paper. Does it go over on the roll or under?
1: Wow. Man, you're just throwing these zingers here, Jim. I'm saying like, well, dude, the answer is whatever she prefers. (laughs) Because that's just not important enough for me to care about at the expense of making her happy or unhappy. <laughs> There's a saying in Spanish they said, in Spanish, they say, you know, I am the head of the household. The challenge is that my wife is the neck. So if she goes this way, so do I. And if she goes the other way, so do I. And she's in charge. And around here, I ascribe to that theory 100%. Yes, dear is a wonderful answer. <laughs>
0: So I've got one more wing dinger, and that is boxers or briefs.
1: Yeah, you know, that's like a little tough. I don't know. I, I'm not sure I have a, an opinion one way or the other. I wear briefs for exercise and boxers elsewhere. So I guess I kind of have to say both and not be particular about it because I'd be lying if I didn't wasn't all that hard. Nah, I wasn't trying to be politically correct either. I'm not particularly a politically correct guy.
0: Yeah. So has <laughs> been fun.
1: <laughs> I'm glad, brother. That's yeah. the idea.
0: All right. Well, uh, one more time. Tell everybody your website so they can hear it on the, on the uh, audio as well as seeing it on the video.
1: Check it out at www.mindtypes.com. That's M-I-N-D-T-Y-P-E-S, mindtypes.com. Go check the free quiz, take it, and you will know your mind type.
0: Cool, cool. Well, uh, Ridgely, I really appreciate you coming on the show today, being our guest. All right, giving some great information out to our our listeners. And, uh, hey, anytime, man, you're welcome back.
1: <laughs> Thank you, brother. I appreciate that. All of you who are out there, wherever you are, remember that a smile is a little curve that sets a lot of things straight. And if somebody needs a smile, give them yours.
0: Cool, cool. So listeners, please go check out Ridgely and, and his, uh, uh, his take his quiz at mindtypes.com. All right. And come back again when we'll have another guest just as good as him. All right. Maybe maybe worse because let's face it, you can't <laughs> talk about this. Know, like all right. Um, and be sure to go subscribe to our podcast over on Apple Podcast. I'm Tim Gillette with The Tim Gillette Show. We'll be back with another episode real soon. Bye now.
1: Ciao.